Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Movies, where we talk about the Indian genre films you've never heard of, the ones you can't hear enough about, and the ones you never want to hear about again. My name is Nathaniel Mir, and I'm the movie editor at AIPT. Joining me on these ongoing adventures is the host, whose time in the bathroom is never soft and quiet. <laughs> no, it's loud and rough <laughs> and obnoxious and <laughs> terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Blake, and apparently I'm full of piss and vinegar. Oh yeah! So thank you to everybody for listening to last week's show. Um, we don't like to shit on films. I mean, actually, I don't think it bothers us either way. But uh, last week was a uh, one for the ages, and um, yeah, I mean, apparently hey, man. you, I, you know what? I, as you were talking about it, you, I don't know if you, I know you've liked a lot of the stuff we've had. I, I know you disliked a lot of the stuff we've had on the show, but uh, I don't know if I've ever heard you so passionate before. <laughs> I'm I'm I don't know honestly I'm embarrassed um by my re- but no that was true and it's honest and the more I've thought about it the more I think I'm right and uh you know sometimes here's the thing that I guess I don't know if I said it on the show I'd watch those movies back to back which you know that's a daunting three hours of your <laughs> of your life <laughs> and uh it, it, so I think you know color maybe color me bad you know what? I, I stand by it. <laughs> I stand by it. And if you all want more piss and vinegar, well, by golly, I got it. <laughs> and, and you know what? It makes sense, too. It goes with what that, that movie was, like it or not, it was right. raw and in your face. And what you were saying was raw and in your face. <laughs> Whether people agree with it or not. Like, I mean, I thought, I thought what you said, you, you made lots, lots of great points. I think I agreed with pretty much everything. I just had a different opinion on, on the movie. But yeah. um yeah, I mean, what you said made complete sense. And uh, anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, listen to last week's show. Um, I say that's the most passionate Blake has been about something. That doesn't mean that he doesn't. I mean, there, all the episodes we have in her are really good. <laughs> I think we I get, get passionate about bizarre stuff. So Yeah, well, and I don't know, that one was, uh, I, I knew you would have strong feelings about it. I didn't know what you would think about it. And man, that was it was a really good talk. It was a really good a, a good talk. It was a great we had great discourse about it. Yes. We did have a good discourse about it. So uh we love talking about shock cinema on this show and indie films. We always talk about genre films, but we're gonna do something a little different for a little while. We're gonna talk about two of the uh biggest releases of the year and two of the probably more controversial releases of this year, too. Um Indiana Jones. And the Dial of Destiny is coming up. It's right around the corner. It actually made, already made its world premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. No word on Kanzig, unfortunately. <laughs> but we do know that Indiana Jones made its world premiere. And the reception was uh, very lukewarm. Uh, five minutes standing ovation, but that doesn't mean anything from the Cannes Film at, at all. Yeah, they do that when a can a cat like kicks over a can of tuna. Like that's not a big deal. Uh, interesting. Here's the thing: I'm actually more excited to hear that it got like a lukewarm reception than just like, oh boy, it was. You know, you know, I'll take a, I'll take a lukewarm Indiana Jones compared to the last one, which was steaming. I, I was expecting dog shit out of it to be honest with you because uh, Top Gun from what made its world premiere there uh, two years ago, I guess, and people went gaga over oh, it. Wow proved to be true and uh i don't think it made any difference towards box office i think people are going to see it no matter what but um you know people loved it there and ended up being a good movie indiana jones i think that this reaction is probably probably accurate and it has a pretty good cast but um i don't know man it's one of those where you kind of to me at least i wish they didn't make it (laughs) i haven't even seen it yet sure yeah. But uh, lukewarm, yeah, that's probably the best that you could hope for from this movie. Right, yeah, that's kind of where I'm headed with it, is like, you know, I, it couldn't be great. You know, it's just, it's not, you know, it's just, it couldn't be. <laughs> but it, it, if as long as it's fun and, you know, you walk out of there going like, hey, man, I, I didn't hate spending, you know, $26 on that or whatever, you know, it's great. Yeah, I mean that's the mo- and and you know it's a better send off than the previous one. I'm assuming this is going to be his I last hope. one. I I hope that's why I don't want Crystal Skulls to be the last gasp, and it obviously is. Yeah, so thankfully we're getting this one. Also, uh, Harrison Ford gave an interview. And they say the famously grumpy Harrison Ford was actually very touched and very pleased, and he was in a very um, um what's the word a receptive mood, and he honestly oh. spoke about how proud he was of the Indiana Jones character. 
um, and the movie. So, I mean, cool. everyone jokes about how grumpy he is. And he jokes about how grumpy he is because he's a grumpy, he's old, grumpy man. old man. <laughs> he was actually down to, uh, I don't see down to earth, but he was genuinely touched by the reaction to the movie. Okay. Interesting. Well, you go, Harrison. <laughs> so the other big news, and again, controversial movie, but it's going to probably be one of the bigger ones of the year. So uh... The Flash, and we've talked about it on here, how it's focusing on the um on ben affleck and michael keaton and supergirl and uh michael shannon i think <laughs> like they're focusing on everybody but the flash in this so in i think one of the i don't think this would have even been done last year but the director came out and said so yeah this is a spoiler but i mean it's out there it's out in the wild so i mean if you don't hear it from us you're gonna hear it but um superman will be appearing in the flash but the reason we're talking about it is Superman is going to be played by Nicolas Cage, who we just <laughs> gave rave reviews for Renfield yeah. a few weeks back. But right. I think, like, I think I already thought this movie was in trouble. I thought James Gunn saying it's the best comic book movie he's ever. I, I think all the all the the, the um, adulation for it. I think people are just trying to talk themselves and talk definitely talk the the audience into seeing this. Yeah. I think this Nicolas Cage reveal it's very very much desperation oh it's doesn't it smack of desperation that's exactly what i thought Mm -hmm. i was like man so ezra miller has totally you know bamboozled this entire thing and and rightfully so he they seem like a crazy person it would have been cool to have found out this in the theater right the the theater going experience would have been awesome you would have walked out going like holy shit i i can't believe that happened and now it's like, oh, we have to cheaply get them into the theater to just see the Nicolas Cage cameo because the, we don't think they're going to go at all. You know, they just don't think people are going to go to this movie. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think that's it. And um, another hard fact is um, if you like, and I, well, first of all, like DC is never caught up to Marvel in regards to the, these superhero movies. But uh, even if you're a Marvel fan, you really, have to look yourself look at yourself in the mirror and admit that these movies lately they've just they haven't been very good for quite a while i mean what was the last good movie like loki was a good show and, and wandavision was cool but last mm-hmm. movie was it ragnarok maybe yeah 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 that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's a while ago now yeah, yeah i mean really... i hear good things about guardians but i haven't seen it yet well, uh, I, I did see Guardians, and I won't ruin it for anybody. But uh, I, me personally, I, I was not that it was a bad movie, but it, I, I found it to be very disappointing. Oh. Uh, but it, if you like, I, I liked it. If that makes sense. But there's just certain aspects of it that I didn't care for, um, yeah. and them ruining the Nicolas Cage thing because you don't even have to go that far back because well, uh, Spider Man that wasn't so bad. The the, the most recent one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a major cameo in that one and we joked about it on the show like it wasn't revealed ahead of time i i didn't know it was going to happen but when regina saw it like she literally turned to her friend in the movie theater and, and gave him a high five because they were so that's, happy to see that cameo. that's cool that's, that's what you want that's exactly the feeling that you want but imagine if that was ahead of time they were like oh so-and-so is going to make an appearance like it takes all the fun out of it I literally hope it's just uh, Nicholas Cage trying on the Superman suit for Tim Burton all over again. I hope that's the cameo. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, I mean, and, and I think about it, like, it's Nicholas Cage, and yeah, the whole, like, Tim Burton was supposed to do the movie, like, two and a half decades ago or whatever. Right. Like, if I had heard, because right, I don't want to see this in theaters, I'll, I'll watch it on Max or whatever it comes out on. But yeah. if I had heard, if someone had come up to me and said, like, hey, there's a pretty major cameo in it. I The first thing I would have thought is, man, maybe it's Nick Cage Superman. I would have I would have <laughs> hoped really? for that. Damn. I probably would have gone to theaters to see that. So I don't want to no, 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 I mean the 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 biggest draw that was it. No. I love Michael Keaton Batman. Um, ben Affleck was fine as Batman. I mean, the trailers look really cool, but I I just think that like we were talking about, I I think they're super desperate. I I, I let's, I'm calling it. It's gonna flop. It's gonna flop. Oh, it'll just put it in there with the rest of the DC movie. <laughs> All righty, enough of the blockbusters. 
genre of the future. And we're going to talk about everything that's coming out from May the 26th through June the 1st. First movie coming to Shudder is Influencer. It's the story of a social media influencer who is on a trip to Thailand. She meets someone who, um, well, kind of changes her life. Uh, there's lots of, uh, we're seeing lots and lots and lots of social media horror movies, lots, lots, lots of social media thrillers now. Mm-hmm. Um, but at their core, they always are j- just traditional thrillers <laughs> with modern tech in them. Uh, this one looks like it has some really cool performances in it, but it looks like if they don't get too heavy, and this is this was a problem with followers too, like tonally it was just really weird, but like it had a good idea. And I think this one has, it looks fine. It looks like just a generic thriller, but those can be fun as long as they don't rely too much on the social media. Yeah, and yeah, I'm wondering how much of a role it will actually play. But yeah, I mean, it, it gets it gets you like what is it like kind of like single white female vibes. Like yeah. it's it, it, it's kind of I I honestly I thought it looked kind of kind of cool. I thought it had a cool like tone to it. But you're right. I this movie's either going to be super cool or boring. Right. Yeah, one or the other. And and mm-hmm. this one, um, I, I'm leaning towards it. It looks like it's a, a an interesting watch. But um, the um trailer looks like it gives away a little too much. Yeah, that's the other thing. Oh, I mean the the last shot of the trip i would I, i'll tell you this if if this sounds like something and a uh, social media thriller sounds interesting to you on shutter uh don't watch the trailer don't watch the trailer absolutely agreed um uh, south by southwest had a bunch of world premieres evil dead rise uh dungeon and dragons were the biggest ones but uh the wrath of becky was a movie that uh, that uh, made its world premiere there uh it's actually a sequel a movie called becky it's a uh, set two years after the original um becky is trying to just move on with her life after a vicious attack on her family but uh she gets pulled back into uh, her old ways by some noble men um i actually saw this movie when it was oh. at south by southwest and including Evil Dead Rise, the Becky might be the bloodiest movie that I saw. Ooh. And it also has, if not the most creative, one of the most creative grenade kills I have ever seen. Really? Yeah. Oh, color me intrigued. I thought this looked fun. I mean, I, I'm after last week, I'm all about like pride, white pride folks getting destroyed. Uh, so uh, i'm i'm eager <laughs> this looks great this would yeah this is um stifler casted, yeah, Scott Scott casted Scott. <laughs> a bad guy they um the 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 writer and directors they actually in the first one uh also it's about neo-nazis that uh kevin james plays the villain and so that's their thing taking comedic oh, actors dude, and... okay i've seen it yeah i remember that movie now. Oh, okay. yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah yeah so yeah. this is a continuation of her gotcha. story uh um yeah that's this one yeah it's the, the first one's fun yeah, this one this one ups the ante so uh yeah if you just want like just in your just like extreme just kind of nonsensical violence with <laughs> there is a through line <laughs> <laughs> but okay. it's all about the extremity the extreme uh, fun and wackiness in it so yeah, this is a good one I, I i like the lord of the flies the book i i like the movie that they made in the 80s and i, and I like lord of the flies-esque story so mm-hmm. also coming out may the 26th is the hole in the fence it's about uh, an elite camp where uh very rich people send their sons um they're doing what boys will do and one day they find a hole in the fence surrounding their compound and Things get a little bit weird. It looks like a Lord of the Flies story. <laughs> like I like those kinds of stories. Yeah, I I really do too. I the idea of like yeah, there's none, your privilege and whatever you're up it doesn't matter. You're all gonna devolve into animals. Like I yeah, that that's intriguing. This does appear to have like somewhat of a supernatural tinge to it. So, or I don't know actually, but there's there's something else afoot other than just like oh they're isolated. Or something like that there's there's definitely something else going on and uh yeah i think this looks so uh, intriguing uh spanish yeah. language i guess right uh yeah it looks like it's spanish language that looks like yeah. it's spanish language and it's a it's yeah. a, a different take on or and it just it looks like it has supernatural elements it looks but, uh, i don't know, I don't know. yeah it, then that's you know that that mystery can be what makes separates mm-hmm. it from being 
meh to something that's actually super enjoyable. Yeah. So uh, June the second, two um, releases coming to the two big releases actually. So I think one is far gonna outshadow the other. But uh, we'll start with the one that's a little more appropriate for our show. So uh, based on Stephen King's, is, is it a short story or is it a? It's like a short story, a novella, I think, kind of size thing. Directed by Rob Savage, who did host uh, a movie that we we both mm-hmm. like, and Dashcam, a movie that we really liked, and uh, <laughs> not everyone else did. And unfortunately for them, <laughs> Annie for life. Uh. <laughs> this is based on the Stephen King story, and it's about a high school student and their and her younger sister. Um, pretty typical horror stuff. The mom has recently died. Father is kind of not there for them, and. Um, they have to deal with an unexpected, uh, a desperate patient that just shows up at their house. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's more to it than that. But like, yeah. It's about the boogeyman. Yeah, it's a, so you've heard this on this show before. I read this story. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And, you know, it's uh, as, as Stephen King stuff goes, it's very of the, you know, last decade, kind of last 15 years, Stephen King, where, they're all kind of the similar stories uh kid you know big bad uh adults that don't listen except for one you know it's all it's very very cookie cutter stephen king that said it was it was enjoyable and while i didn't just i wasn't loving it and i wasn't like flying around recommending it all over the place i did think it was an enjoyable read and i and i think this movie i think it's changing a few things and uh, i think that's that's perfectly well and good um for for what this story is so yeah um i know my sister is super eager to see the boogeyman so i i think i'll probably be checking it out i mean i'll check it out like uh rob savage has uh, two good movies on his on his um resume this one is getting away from the the real-time found footage thing so uh it'll be interesting to see what he could do with it i mean it's a stephen king thing so you gotta gotta check it out um I mean, the trailers, they they look pretty generic as horror movies go, but not generic like bad. They just look like typical horror stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm always down for a typical horror movie. Yeah. Give me more. Uh, the other movie coming out on June the 2nd, and it's the one that everybody's going to go watch, I would think. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, which was just a shock to everyone's system, I think. Like, I think it's going to end up being one of the most influential animated movies of all time ever um yeah really really good stuff i mean the most recent uh puss in boots movie like liberally copying from the the style which isn't a bad thing like i mean you absolutely Mm -hmm. should copy from that movie but uh the original was such a good movie um and this one looks really this one looks like uh, i don't know if it could live up to the first one in regards to storytelling and emotion Mm. but um animation wise i mean it looks like a lot of fun and miles morales is such a fun character cool characters i mean yeah he's a great character um yeah i mean i think everybody's been clamoring for this since the first one came out and i'm glad they just didn't rush one out you know it's been how many years now since that other one came out a couple four four, yeah four years good that makes me feel good about it um makes me feel like they took their time like they did on the first one and you know like you said can you possibly capture the magic of the of that i doubt it but i'm I'm definitely want to see it. And it's very rare that, you know, ooh, a big animated feature. No, I want to, I definitely want to see this on the big screen. Absolutely. I can't wait to see this in the trailer. looks like uh, maybe I'm saying it doesn't capture the same emotion possibly, but I mean, it looks like, it doesn't look like Peter Parker has a kid in it, but it looks like he also might die in this one based on the trailers. Like mm-hmm. it's just a trailer. Who knows what you're going to see out of it, but yeah. uh, it looks really exciting. And um, I can't wait to see it. And, also, uh, we're recording this today after the uh, release of that Spider-Man mm. Two gameplay footage, and won't get too much into it, but uh, it looks really cool. And that Venom, uh, the symbiote on Parker, like it looks like like fleshy and gross almost. <laughs> yeah, cool. I I really liked how they uh, animated the uh, like his. You know, it's not all super smooth. Like it's no. got like it's got like wrinkles in it, and it looks. It looks like it's living tissue. It doesn't look like a suit. Tissue. Yeah. That's a great way to like on the back of his neck. Like they, they yes. show that you. Yes. Oh my. It, it looks yeah. disgusting. And I mean that in the most complimentary sense. Yeah. The the reveal of him dropping down, I thought was horror to the max and look creepy. And I think Venom's such a cool we we as Pat and I are perfect age for Venom fandom. 
Like, Todd McFarlane did a great job. So, yeah. It has been a while since we've had an interview on our show. But this week, we have Suzanne Coote and Matt Angel talking about The Wrath of Becky. The movie, I know it's a sequel to, to Becky, but and it continues some of the story elements from that movie, but it's its own story. Um, what was the inspiration behind this movie? Um, well, we wanted to up the ante and steal from headlines, I guess I would say. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I mean, we wanted it. We were very clear with, with the whole team from day one. We wanted to stand on its own two feet. Like, we, we wanted to be its own movie so that we can satisfy the audience of the original Becky while simultaneously bringing in a new audience that can enjoy this film if they haven't seen the first one and make them want to go watch the first one. Yeah. Um, because it really is an evolution of the characters and uh, the film as a whole. Uh, and yeah, I, I think um, in terms of our current climate in the world, it just kind of spilled out of us. Like, it, it, you know, it, it felt like, how do you up the ante from classic neo-Nazis with swastika tattoos? Well, you don't need the swastika tattoos nowadays. Um, Yeah, the guys hiding behind their computers who look normal on the outside and are psychopaths on the inside. Yeah, it's just, it's out there every day and it was very cathartic for us to, um, to get to address it in super satirical, obvious ways without ever having to say any anything about proud boys or oath keepers it was just from day one like what if they're noble men you know like yeah. like how do we right. just hit it on the head without ever needing to say the words yeah but being very obvious too right well and you bring up some good points there uh, you mentioned you were upping the ante and you're stealing from today's headlines like how difficult was it to have that over-the-top action but you also have a serious through line going in there the the uh, yeah. villains in particular when you're it feels like the country's in the middle of trauma and we're attempting some therapy in the middle of like an onslaught of trauma. And I don't feel like we necessarily got the full catharsis, but like writing it and shooting it and being able to laugh while also crying because this is happening in real time to our country was um, an interesting dichotomy of emotions. <laughs> it, was comedy and tra- it was comedy and tragedy, right? Yeah. I think it's the oldest. Think it's it's the oldest thing in the book, and um, I think for us, we always want to root as we advance in our careers. The importance of rooting everything in character, um, yes, is is so pertinent, and it was very important to us that we have a new beginning for Becky. That outside of the the cold open, which is its own you know fun thing, you have a new beginning for a character who's like any great sequel, it's like you're meeting her for the first time, right? You're, you're meeting the 16-year-old version of Becky. She's a different person than she was two years ago. Yeah. Um, and so really taking our time with that and getting to introduce these human elements of these characters, the reality of the nobleman is, is just it's sadly a reality. there. It's yeah. a reality. And so you can kind of lean more into the satire with them as long as you have these backstories that you that you believe fall into each character uh, and you can pull from the headlines and you can pull from the message boards uh, with regards to how these people talk. But with Becky, rooting it in who she is today, who is she as a human today, two years after the tragedy she experienced in the first yes. film. And just to wrap it up, the fact that she's Gen Z is perfect because we like, you know, we're millennials, but um, we're, uh, Gen Z have the balls that uh, I wish every every generation had, and Becky's got some balls. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, there's really some creative use of um, grenades <laughs> in this movie, but um, a lot of stories they try to uh, they try to touch on topical issues, but they lose their way. It gets a little corny, for lack of a better term. Did you ever worry about that happening with Wrath of Becky? Because it can get so over the top and and silly at times even. Yeah. I think the key with movies like this is as long as you are not trying to pretend like it's something it's not, you can get away with it. You know, uh, if you do the character work to start and you start at, we saw this great video from um, Key and Peele. uh, Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. And where they talk about how as long as you start 
at a one, you can go to a 10. You just got to start at a one. Um, and that really resonated with us because it's true. And then you go back and you watch these films and it's like, you watch Kill Bill. It starts at a one, like it's rooted in real tragedy. And then you can get away with the absurdity. As long as you're addressing the fact that we as filmmakers know it's absurd. We're not trying to pretend like it's not. So for us, that was kind of the key to getting away with the ridiculous elements that are involved in this new kind of tone that we took Becky in. And uh, Sean William Scott is in a very, very scary performance, but it's not a performance uh, that people will be used to seeing him in. Yeah. Um, how did you get him involved in this movie? Um, well, we just, we wanted to build on what the first Becky did, which is take a comedic actor who you don't normally see be a deranged psychopath and do that again for the second one. And, you know, he's so, like Matt said, the first one you have like, classic neo-Nazis, swastikas on their heads, coming out of jail, bruh. Um, second one, we want the guys who are clean cut. They look, you know, you're not- Some of them. Some of them. Some of them are gross. But for example, the leader is clean cut and, you know, very handsome, gets a haircut every week. Um, you know, if you saw him at the grocery store, you wouldn't run away screaming. And um, that- you know, when our casting, our casting agents brought up Sean William Scott, we were like, oh God, because, you know, great comedic actors, like comedy is so freaking hard, right? So inevitably, and like in Goon, you can see that we saw that Sean has that side. And when we brought him on and when he said yes, he brought so much to the character that was not on the page that he made the, the villain delicious is how I would, how yeah. I would put it. Like you, you, we, you know, I couldn't take my eyes off him. I was like, Stifler? Like what? Like, from that's her, nice. And from our first meeting with him, yeah. he, he proposed so many ideas for the character that, that we were like, yes, we were blown away by it. And we were just <laughs> like, yes, all the way. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go there. Um, he really wanted to take him to dark places. Uh, Which we'll never say no to. Which was great because again, it, it's finding that humanity. I don't know if humanity is the right humanity, word. It's finding it's, those human elements and those yeah. real elements within a bigger character. Yeah. And, and he does take it to dark places. Yeah. Well, um, my final question is uh, this is a sequel. And without getting too much into details, like it does, the ending does leave an opening for more stories. Uh, do you have more stories in mind for Becky? We have so many stories for Becky. We could go on for 30 years, and Lulu does too. <laughs> Now, if they let us... I think Lulu Wilson has, like, eight titles picked out for the next... She's like, I'll do this time 65. Um, wow. She's, the best. she's so she's fun. Best. She just... She has... She so enjoys what she does, and she comes to play. Um, but, yes, we yeah. have... We, we have, have some fun ideas, ideas of yeah. where to take things, yeah. if, uh, if we're so lucky. If they so. let us, yeah. <laughs> One of the most popular shows we ever did was a show where we actually we had an entire month called Stank Month. <laughs> and, <laughs> month. and our, our introduction to it is actually one of the most uh, listened to shows that we've ever uh, done. So second time though, I'm going to throw this out there, but go through our catalog and just check out <laughs> all the episodes. We, and you'll see there's everything from uh, Soft and Quiet to Stank Month. That, uh, yeah. I want to say that that might have been the last time that we did erotic thrillers. Um, have we done one since? You know what? You're. I don't think so. I don't think so. We need more yeah. steak in our lives, dude. We do need more steak in our lives. What, what, what are we thinking? Yeah, we're gonna go. Uh, well, we got one this week. <laughs> the the attachment diaries. It's set in uh, 1970s Argentina, and it's about two women on the edge who uh their lives become intertwined and uh the relationship and bond that they form leads to all kinds of secrets and and revenge and bloodshed but um i did this last week and this one i don't know if you can say if there's degrees of this but trigger warning for this because it does cover some pretty serious topics uh sexual assault and medical procedures involving birth control but uh 
Um, it's not as raw or as in your face as um, soft and quiet. And being that we're covering these heavy topics, just a reminder, everyone, next week we do euthanasia. And uh, the following week will be our expose on child abuse. So <laughs> stick around, stick around. For, for what we have coming. But the attachment diaries, um, this movie, I think the pacing is so interesting for this movie because it starts off like uh, very noir, like, like it's raining and all you see are footsteps. And it really quickly gets into the, like, within like three minutes, it, it sets it up. Woman wants to get an abortion. Doctor says, no, I'm going to sell your baby. And you're like, holy shit, this is just speeding along. And then it slows it down. Like, yes. almost comes to a complete halt. Almost sparks. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a really interesting decision with the pacing. Uh, and it continues like that. But uh, that being said, I thought it was very smartly paced. Um, because what it does is... Uh, this is basically about two characters. There's more than two characters in it, mm-hmm. but it's really letting you into the lives and, and the minds of two women and uh, the story and the mystery that it builds surrounding them. I thought was really well done. I thought the pacing was strange little thing. I can't stand when movies put their title like 30 minutes into them or an hour into them. 49 minutes, <laughs> super pretentious. Uh, uh, the first time I ever saw that was in this movie called uh, the Korean movie called Last Life in the Universe and they did it like after 40 minutes Uh, and I was like oh fuck you (laughs) so aside from Uh, the just especially because it had credits to open the movie what the hell man that's just that's pretentious but uh, other than that I I thought it was very well paced yeah yeah I agree I agree I I was kind of uh, man this (laughs) It's weird. I don't know what's it's it's like I don't know. Certain movies captivated the shit out of me. This was like I was I couldn't look away <laughs> from this movie. And uh, like you said, dude, this is of some heavy topics. A rape, not my not a thing I like to watch movies about, or you know, I it obviously it's an act, it's just violent, it disgusts me. And so anytime a movie is centric about that, I'm like, it's, I'm probably just going to be off put by that in general. This is a rare case where it was like, it was, and as the movie progresses, it becomes even more intricate into what that is even playing into. Um, I was, yeah, I was downright captivated by it. And I think that pacing played a large role in it because like you said, it, 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 it grinds down to where, you know, these scenes start taking longer and longer and longer and it's more just intense acting between these two actresses and man i i couldn't tear my eyes away from this damn thing and you're right like rape is like what we've talked about just not a subject we like to see covered in movies (laughs) the attachment in the attachment diaries in this the bond uh, a lot of it is formed because of shared incidents involving rape and as the movie progresses it becomes it becomes a bigger part of the story and it seems like you don't go more than 10 or 15 minutes without hearing about rape but and 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 you're right like you're dealing right off the bat with abortion you're constantly dealing with rape these are two things that you don't really want to see that much of if ever in a movie and um somehow this movie and this is just based on its great characters and really good writing these are two extremely difficult topics and i feel the same way that you did at at first i was like okay i don't know how i thought this is going to be another moon garden situation but i was just i was captivated by this movie i was just i wanted to see what what was going to happen next and not only was it the performances like the storytelling is so good this is um very suspenseful uh, without being like the dun 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 type of suspense, like great foreshadowing, like just mm. really, really, really good stuff. I, yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this might be the best directed movie I've can say all year so far. The direction in this was low key, high key, whatever key, awesome. It was really, really great. The camera work, uh, they, they he did. The director did an incredible job with doing like the, they would do these like distorted shots through like um, like a, a vase or a glass on the table to where like it's distorting faces and pull and there was some pans and shots that kind of led into some of that stuff. Dude, I thought I was like, dude, this is like Hitchcockian, you know, in a in a, in a way 
David Lynchian at times, you know, like, I, I don't know. These are names, lofty names, but there was some there there with this movie. And in particular with how they, how they move shots and how they drew your, your eye, you know, it was like a painting. They were drawing your eye places all the time. And I thought that made it really fascinating. Like it really, it made me, man, they, like you said, acting, great acting, great storytelling. But man, I was like, what am I, am I supposed to be seeing stuff? It, it became incredibly engaging. It is stylish, very, stylish. very stylish. Like the the opening title cards are are just really, really well done. They they're mm-hmm. it's really cool. Um, yeah, the the stuff like shooting through vases and using mirrors and uh, oh, yeah. the way rooms are shot is really well done. Um, I will say this, and and it's not a compliment, but there were times that this movie was like um a perfume a perfume commercial. Like, okay sure the music is is loud and it's crashing and then someone's running in slow mode yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly with, in this like stark black and white but, but it oh, was by never... the way the first part of the movie is black <laughs> yes yes and this is a uh, place into the story and we'll get into that um the um yeah, it's uh, but it was never corny. It was it stood out to me, and I was like, okay, that's kind of <laughs> that's that's something. Yeah, but it didn't ruin it for me. It actually right. fit very well in this very stylish uh, noir. Yeah, yeah. What a what a kind of a genre bending movie this is. It, it, yeah, it crosses a lot of lines into the avant garde, even I, I would say um, at times. And uh, you know, that's a hard thing to pull off. To kind of kind of run the gamut on that stuff and then you know dabble in like some quentin tarantino style 70s like dude like what what is this movie even doing but somehow it all kind of worked it was it was so strange oh yeah like i mean it has a consistent tone but good luck picking a genre because it's <laughs> it's a love story it's it's a mystery there's elements of horror in it. I, I mean, this just goes up and down. Like, yeah. um, you mentioned it starts in black and white. Now, a, a lot of movies will, they do yeah. different things with the camera to kind of show like a revelation or an epiphany. This one is straight up. Someone is having a sexual awakening in the most graphic way possible. Mm-hmm. It goes from black and white to color. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's, uh, it's almost art student. It's, it's almost too much. It made but, me laugh. Uh, yeah, it was and it was in the moment, and uh, actually, very it was perfect for that moment. It was, it was. and it was uh, like getting back to that like mid movie title card. Like it comes, it, it's even at a weird time in the movie. It's like with the twelve minutes or whatever left. I don't even remember. Maybe that. Maybe you should cut that. I don't know. But there, there's a the when it happens, it's even more kind of like what. <laughs> why now <laughs> of all time but sure yeah. you know but like you said it's on the nose you know exactly well it's not on the nose but you know why and <laughs> <laughs> in, in this movie like we, we said it is an erotic thriller um it, it's 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 graphic it's oh, gra- except in its violence not so graphic but yeah. some, of the, some of the other stuff it shows like it's uh a person who uh self-harm is also a part of this but uh the first time they show it <laughs> it completely threw me okay. off it was one of those things where you're looking around like oh man is anybody else watching yeah. see what i'm watching <laughs> the per- the best way i could put that is like that's when I- my mom would have walked in the room <laughs> like oh what one are you watching those moments. yeah like, what oh, the hell are mom. you watching <laughs> i swear it's an artsy it's movie a, it's an art house movie <laughs> watch five more minutes you're gonna think it's a perfume commercial <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> The, the the attachment diaries um and there are portions of diaries read throughout but so it's kind of attachment is a huge part of this a bond is a huge part of the actual diary plays a surprisingly small part in this oh, movie. that's right <laughs> i mean really weird really strange i mean the it's kind of a neat title you know I, and i get it, it. I, I i get it you know but yeah you know you could you could have called just just attachment you know yeah i think that would have been a little better man my main line we're talking up this movie very much but uh i do yeah. have one huge problem with this sure. movie okay. uh everything's building to the ending it's coming to a almost a natural conclusion like it's built it's super successful you don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen and then it just ends and i was so so i was, I was almost angry by how it, it was yeah. obviously an intentional choice this kind of goes to this very stylish directing style but it was almost like they just ran out of ideas and they were like, okay, 
let's just explain what happened. Roll credits. And I did not like that. I, I'm with you, man. I'm glad you said it because it is my biggest gripe about the damn thing. Um, and I, I have a theory on it because <laughs> it made me think, man. I Please like, share. Interesting choice, right? So yes. then it gets back to our mid-movie title card, right? So I think it's because they wanted you to feel like you just got to like the middle of the story. Like you saw like an like a prologue. Well, then you get a title card. Then you kind of get what's happening now. And now there's a whole lot more movie to tell, but that's their artistic avant-garde choice to be like, nope, nope. That's where I quit telling the story. This like, you, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you what happened. You can work it out yourself. I will say I didn't like it. Um, I, I, your explanation makes a lot of sense, actually. I, I wasn't a big fan of it. I thought it wow. ruined the flow of it. And it kind of went against the rest of it because everything else was so yeah. patient and well-constructed and... Yeah. It looked like it was a very meticulously shot, plotted, and planned movie. But that just seemed like it was so out of nowhere. Uh, but, I mean, be- and actually, because of, because it was so out of nowhere and so against the rest of the movie, I believe that it was 100% intentional. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I totally think it was on purpose, supposed to supposed to do something to you. And if it's supposed to tick us off, maybe that was the purpose. I don't know. The, but the, you're right. The the last, what, like seven, eight minutes of the, of the film, you know, they don't feel like the rest of the movie at all. And uh, it totally gets away from what, you know, was so enjoyable. Not that, you know, not that it ruins it, but um, it definitely, yeah, it definitely kind of feels um, you know, rushed, I guess, is, is the best way to put it, you know. Yeah, like uh, for another movie, um, I would say that, they were uh, running out of film, running out of money, and, uh, and this is a low budget film. But I, 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 it feels rushed and all that stuff. But I, I truly think that that's exactly how it was supposed to end. So um, the attachment diaries, it's uh, making its uh, New York debut on Friday, May the twenty sixth, and then it's going to roll out nationally. It's done, just finished its festival run. But uh, see okay. or no see the attachment diaries. The attachment diaries. I think you should see it. I think this is a really interesting movie and uh, I had really enjoyed most of it. And I think there's some really great direction and, and performances are awesome. So yeah, I think you should check it out. I agree with you. I think you should absolutely check this out. I can guarantee that you will not see anything like this movie this year. So definitely check it out. Our feature presentation this week is a shark attack movie. And right off the bat, I'm going to say that uh, I'm thinking that sharks has to be the most common subject in movies, like by far. Like when I was looking for this on Tubi, I just typed shark. I couldn't find it because there was so many goddamn shark movies. (laughs) My favorite title being uh, Shark Side of the Moon. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I, I had to type in the whole title i could uh, usually i could just type in a word or two and you know like it i couldn't find it there, there has to be uh, on just two there has to be at least 150 shark movies that you know i did not notice that but that is amazing and I, honestly it's got to be because there's just so much like stock footage of sharks that you can get for cheap probably it's stock footage it's steven spielberg and, yeah. and it's the fact that people are willing to accept uh bad cgi sharks because i believe that was actually yeah. the name of one of the movies too bad cgi, bad CGI sharks. i think Beautiful. so but, uh, we're, we're not talking about bad cgi sharks we're certainly not talking about jaws uh shark nope. in venice from 2008 it is about a um uh, what, what is it about? I don't know. <laughs> this, this guy, an archaeologist, a professor, him and his girlfriend, professor, uh, a professor. They they go to Venice to, uh, well, I thought to discover what happened to his father, but we'll yeah. we'll get into that right now. Um, they have um some big stars in it, uh, and by that I mean they have the siblings of some A listers in this, uh, <laughs> Stephen Baldwin, who uh, he could have been something. I, I in <laughs> Usual Suspects, he was awesome. Yeah, didn't he star with Sharon Stone in? Was that him in Sliver, or, or he's in something? Uh, yeah, yeah, Backdraft wasn't he in Backdraft? Backdraft, he was big in Backdraft. Yeah, he. I think he was like for a while. He was tagged to be one of the higher ranking Baldwin's. Yeah, he was like second 
Baldwin for a while, probably. He he was up there, and I I want to yeah. say he started some comedies too. Biodome, dude, that's one of oh, my. He's favorites. a Biodome. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I do love Biodome. Uh, I, I don't know where where it went off kilter forever. You know what? Maybe it didn't go off kilter. Maybe he just didn't give a shit. Like, uh, ah, yeah, he's, he's part of the Baldwin bit. family, isn't he? Yeah, but, he's uh, like a red state Baldwiner, though. He's like anti Baldwin. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. he was like a Trump supporter and stuff. I think. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> he's like, well. He does have sharks in shark in Venice. His resume. Shark in Venice. And if you're gonna have a Baldwin, you need to have a Johansson. So you're thinking like, wow, William Baldwin and Scar- Scarlett Johansson, uh, Stephen Baldwin and Vanessa Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> Scarlett Johansson plays the love interest in this movie. So, um, 2008. Spoiler alert. We're gonna talk all about it because that was a long time ago. <laughs> We're gonna yes, it was get into this movie. So, uh, the reason that we have, and I, I'm gonna assume you had the same problem that I did. The reason that we don't know what this movie is about is because uh, initially it is about what happened to my father. I gotta find out what happened to my father. As soon as they get in Venice, that is no longer what's going on in the story. I mean, I think he mentions it once or twice, but. Do they even discover what happened to the father? I don't know. I, no, I don't remember. I <laughs> don't remember them. Stop talking about him, right? Totally. Because they're after like Lorenzo Domenici's gold or whatever. <laughs> Which becomes the new story. So if you've been, if, if you're tired of shark attack movies, because you've seen so many shark attack movies and you want to see one about missing fathers and long lost gold, this is the movie for you. Yes, it is. Um, and what's weird about that is you're thinking like, okay, this is going to be in the Indiana Jones type thing because he goes into a tomb and there's traps. Mm-hmm. You figure that towards the end of the movie, he'll find the treasure right off the bat. First dive, but what, half an hour in? Treasure yeah. found. Treasure found. Not a big deal to find this treasure, apparently. you could, I think you can easily get to it. Sometimes there are sharks. There are sharks. Uh, there's more than a shark in Venice. There's sharks yes, in Venice. Sharks. So don't <laughs> ask the police chief about that. Do not ask the police chief. There are no sharks in Venice. Um, I, and then the movie becomes something of um, kind of like an action movie. I guess. Like it's almost it's almost like a globetrotting spy movie, except it's just in Venice. Uh, it, it's um, really weird that it does that. Like there's a... Uh, uh, well, there's double no crosses, double uh, crosses, and uh, roundabouts, uh, chases, gun, gunplay, lots of gunplay, bo- lots of gunplay, boat, a kind of a boat chase. You would think there'd be more boat chases than this. There, there aren't any. There are street, street running, street chases, uh, in which I think innocent people get murdered, and it doesn't seem like that's a big. Deal. <laughs> they also get shoved around a lot, like you know, yeah. like almost uh, comical. Oh yeah, like someone will Not go out of their way basket. to show. Them <laughs> yeah that this movie yeah and also stephen baldwin it does an amazing job of making the exact same face for the entire movie it is it is a master class in doing uh this which is staring blankly with his mouth agape (laughs) it's quite amazing that no matter what emotion he's feeling he looks exactly the same and it's kind of like he 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 is like like that. Your 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 expression is perfect, but he almost looks like he's amused. He, like, yeah, he's got like, like a subtle shit eating grin on his face. Yeah, yeah, like I don't know if the look in his eye, or I don't know the 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 the, the draw of his lips. There's something about him. Where, <laughs> but this now it's listed as a comedy on IMDb. Oh, I don't think it's a comedy. It's funny. It is not played for laughs. No, no, no. This is like serious. Now they aren't they aren't looking to win any Oscars here, but no. like uh, this. There's there's no jokes in it either. <laughs> like it's funny, but there's no jokes in this. No, I, well, the funniest parts to me were when uh, his wife, girlfriend, a fellow professor, yeah, I don't know, a love interest. Anytime she makes his suggestion, he goes, "No," and then he has like <laughs> a completely different train. Uh, he that then that they she's like, "Oh yeah, that's by far the best idea to go with." Here's the thing, it's it's a bad 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 just through and through bad movie you, you can probably guess that and sometimes there is like oh shit you know i definitely am enjoying this bad movie because holy cow what's coming next not much happens in this movie there mm-hmm. and ooh, also maybe some of the worst wigs oh ever. man like 
<laughs> the first appearance of the big bad who um also you don't see you well you see him in the beginning it's a hilarious bad wig like um it's so, um like like samurai cop levels of bad mm-hmm. like like the whole like um he comes out and he asks like hey is anybody gonna comment on my share wig <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad and then he starts talking in this uh stereotypical italian accent that uh would make the makers of super mario brothers very proud because <laughs> <laughs> this is some like 2008 italian stereotype nonsense going on here absolutely no it was yeah I, it's so funny i was like ooh, which one of us is going to make the mario reference first the uh it, it is comically you know italian racist italian like stereotypes the entire time and you know maybe that's what they were playing for laughs i'm again this was this was oh, not made this, this, this no no it wasn't <laughs> it fucking wasn't dude and then there's the other thing that you know it's you know might make it worth checking out how hilariously large all the clothing was on everybody no nobody's clothes fit at that's all. a good point um, <laughs> and then they gave the one chick one outfit to wear for the entire how funny was that i also like when um the uh did they say he was mafia well the, the bad guy yeah 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 you, yeah it's the mafia he's mafia oh he um they they've captured uh stephen baldwin and his love interest and they've told stephen baldwin like okay you're gonna go lead us to this treasure or we're gonna kill your your, your fiance or whoever she yeah. is it's like okay everyone's in a wetsuit but he's just in like his normal everyday yeah. clothes which i <laughs> love <laughs> hilarious button down a loose open button down shirt <laughs> so funny and and um the the quality of writing on this you know it's two writers it took two writers to put this thing wow cool well you can you it was dual they must have been dueling (laughs) (laughs) the um we when we had uh tintoretta on here we talked about how it wasn't a shark it was an orgy movie that happened to have a shark in it yeah this is a i don't know what the fuck movie that just happens to have random cuts of sharks sharks killing people um I I will say that they always made me laugh when there was like the uh the couple they were like oh that was hilarious <laughs> that was probably the highlight of the film um I will say that this movie is surprising surprisingly graphic there's one shark yeah. kill where the shark bites the dude's head <laughs> right in the fucking head it looked amazing it looked amazing and then it the, like it also like just tears you limb from limb multiple times yeah. like. There's multiple like arms and legs flying all about. And it's funny because it's like, you know, yeah, the when the sharks are doing shark stuff, it's all right. I didn't I didn't hate the shark stuff in this movie like at all. It just needed, you know, a whole lot more and less of a fucking national treasure vibe. Yeah, it was. You know what part really threw me? You're right. There's lots of like dismembering and stuff. But one part that threw me off is when Stephen Baldwin makes his his first knife with with wetsuit. Yes. Um, he finds the treasure, no big deal, and then he takes off, and the shark gets him because later he comments on how he got bit by the shark. You don't see any blood or puncture wounds or anything, but uh, they make it seem like I thought that the shark killed him. Because like it seems like the shark is going off on him, and then you just see like a random foot sinking. Yeah, but then he's just in the hospital, like uh, bleeding. Uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, like it's been two days. Like yeah, 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 didn't, yeah, make, yeah. didn't make any sense. So okay, so it wasn't just me. It was just like no. a random foot. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, from maybe previous previous dives. The other thing that's hilarious about that, you're right. No, this is a comedy because it was. I was laughing a lot through it. <laughs> I was but <laughs> when they were when they get to the, uh, the 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 glory hole, if you will, in which <laughs> in which the gold is in, there's like a really funny scene where Stephen Baldwin like can't get like himself like actually up like on the rocks, and then they have to like precariously climb up said oh, yeah. like well, which was really funny, but then there's a shark that's so fucking big that it can't even get into that thing but that's not the shark that he had previously encountered 
So <laughs> that part was awesome. <laughs> and shortly after that is when it turns out that the mafia dude was like, yeah, show me where the gold is. And you can go that that's not the plan that they're going to kill Stephen Baldwin. So mm. the dude who's there is going to shoot him. And Stephen Baldwin picks up a shield. <laughs> just like, <laughs> the oh, dude. Oh, when they get into the gold room and they're fighting back and forth. And like, he's like, he picks up like this old sword. Yeah, you they, think like, oh shit! He immediately just gets it knocked out of his hand. Like, yeah, yeah you're <laughs> like, oh my god, they're gonna have a fucking sword fight. This is ridiculous. And yeah, like oh, two seconds later, it's, it's over. over. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the ending also is really funny to me. Like, oh, there's a reveal. The ending where the mafia dude's like, yeah, it's a spicy meatball. I'm the one who put the sharks here. <laughs> He's like, what the hell? What's that? what's all that about? Why would he do that? And where then, did he get the sharks? Well, his, his minnows and. Yeah, where did he- <laughs> And then he explains it. He's like, yeah, I didn't... Or, or does he explain it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he does kind, kind of, of wax poetic. Or, yeah. Well, so he kind of goes... It was hard to understand uh, him, but... Yeah. He does say... Like, like a, he wants... I think he wants to keep people away or something. I don't know. But he, he says something to the effect. But uh, uh, it made no sense. Like, I was like, why would you do that? You're going in there looking for treasure. You have to you know... Found you found the treasure. Control. Yeah, and you can't you control can't these control sharks. sharks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why would you do that? It was really weird. And then... Uh, and then you're right, like um, one of the cops who's been working with him turns out she's actually working Double. for the mafia dude. Yes. But then she just but randomly she, turns on him. And then like, she gets shot by, uh, is it the cops finally? The, how do the cops even arrive? Uh, I'm assuming because they never explain it. Like <laughs> They just yeah. like, then they're literally like propelling it out of helicopter. Oh, or, uh, well, it's got to be her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming she did, um, yeah. but they never, they never say like because it looks like she just she just changed her mind and comes and it's like well we were we just talked about lazy writing in the attachment diaries but yeah. you know we were thinking like oh no that's inten- this is unintentionally bad writing like oh yeah she just saves Stephen baldwin from being shot and she just like she just says uh okay this has gone too far <laughs> that's, that's, her, that's her reasoning it's like well yeah. it's like all too far when he died put- yeah yeah, I think when he put the sharks in there, I think it kind of went too far. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know when he got this entire team of people that have been dying one after the other in search of the mm, not before that. Mm, it's okay, that's all right. And, and 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 like any good movie, there's like just random slow motion in this in the weirdest parts. Oh, yeah. Like like when they when they go diving when they and not even diving when they just like jump into the pool like <laughs> slow mos it and you're like what the hell's going on here well and one of my favorite scenes is like when the the mafioso guys he's like all right guys you fucking i don't care if there's blood and sharks you get in that goddamn water and they jump into the water and then the shot is obviously two guys jumping off a boat into the <laughs> actual like ocean or whatever i was like oh sweet like yeah sure like that totally works yeah then and i i I do like uh, the ending is re- the literal last shot I thought was oh. really cool where it's just scenic Venice and you get the canal and everything and you just see a fin, a shark fin go back and forth and there's no like dun dun dun, nothing like oh. that. It's just an idyllic shot of scenic Venice, like uh, oh, yeah. really well done. That was super well done. And in the previous scene, Stephen Baldwin's finally showing maybe a touch more emotion than he has for the rest of the film. And he's like, wow, so we made it through. Wasn't that crazy? We made it through. Are you also are you okay? And whatever. I stole you this necklace. <laughs> this will look great with your wedding dress. <laughs> with your wedding dress. It's like, dude, that's not the pearl necklace you wanted. <laughs> so, Shark in Venice. It's available on Tubi right now. Uh C or no C. No. No, you don't. You should, probably shouldn't see Shark in Venice. But you know, if you're a shark and Italian movie completionist, that's there for you on Tubi. <laughs> There's uh, apparently so many shark movies on Tubi. <laughs> There's others. But yeah, you don't have to see Shark in Venice, even though you get a Baldwin and a Johansson. <laughs> oh, um, every Saturday you can find us here. We're a part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network, where they have all sorts of horror themed podcasts, including ourselves. We have an open review policy. We will cover erotic thrillers. We will cover shark movies. We'll cover stuff off of Tubi. Anything that you want us to talk about, send it our way. Send it our way. Send us some stink. We want some stink back in our lives. Out on the old social media, the old Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show Adventures in Movies. You can find Nathaniel, as I call him, Patrick. Uh, he's on Instagram, Adventures in Nathan. I'm Blake. 
I'm on Twitter at 4 Horror. Regina's out there. She's on Twitter at Danger Chavez. And next week, follow us down to the Falcon Lake. <laughs> Check it out. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can go to Spotify. You can go to Amazon Music, where they have uh, podcasts now, including ours. Or you can go to Morbidly Beautiful. Wherever you listen to us, make sure to give us a rating or just tell a friend to listen. And that's our cute. We will talk to you next week. There are no shots.